Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. And there was light. Good morning, everyone. I can actually talk to the people over here this week. I'm so excited about this. I'm not sitting on a chair facing this way trying to... So if I'm ignoring you a little bit, it's nothing personal. I wanted to start by saying, uh, I think all but one of the Children's Aid and Safe Families children has already spoken for. Um, So I'm anticipating that if you were planning to get one, there's going to be a mad dash to the information center. There's only one. There can only be one. (laughs) There's one left. But that's okay. If you get there second, you can always contribute to uh, the Meals for the Police or Jam or Hiatus House. There's lots of ways to give. Uh, I have a joke for you today. It's wife approved. <laughs> Let's see if I can do this. What do you call people who are afraid of Santa? Claws. Trophobic. Okay, while we're talking about Santa, you people need to stop asking him for the perfect man. I almost got kidnapped three times this week. You should have seen Rolly and Mike. They had like five elves each. (laughs) Not too bad. (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) I made up for the last time when I tried. (laughs) We're going to do a short series now leading us up into the new year. We're going to be talking about Jesus, the hope of glory. And as you know, we just concluded the the days of Noah. And uh, today I want to talk about Jesus is our our blessed hope. And I really want to focus on Christ saved you. That's the emphasis today. And when we concluded the series, though, we kind of left off with, you know, Jesus is returning to planet Earth. We talked about that and his God's judgment on unrepentant humanity. But sometimes when you look at the carnage, the chaos to come, we miss the fact that when Jesus returns, He's actually coming back to planet Earth to fix what's broken, including us. And when he comes back, he's going to restore all things to wholeness. Now, there's a process that we're going to go through, chaos, carnage, right? But at the end of it, we get a new heaven and a new earth. This actually should give Christians great comfort and great hope. So when you look around and it seems like things are falling apart, you know, Uh, we have to focus on where we're headed, okay? In Canada, sometimes it seems like we're in moral decline, economic decline. Integrity and honor are ancient relics of a culture long faded beyond recognition. Those things are not hallmarks of our culture today. When I look around and see how people act and interact, I don't think integrity and honor. In the church, we see glimpses of it. 
In some churches, we see more of it. In other churches, less. That's a sad indictment on the church. Okay? But corruption is rampant. More people place their sexual identity first in their Christianity somewhere else down the list in the world that we live in today. Okay? It's backwards. Um, Christianity has actually declined in Canada also. We emphasize self over others in our world today. How many of you know this? In fact, it goes directly against what the scriptures teach us. Because doesn't the scripture say in numerous places that we're to serve others? Amen. And it's all about loving others and laying down our life for others, for the benefit of others. That doesn't put self first, that puts others first. This is countercultural to the world we live in today. We prefer one another. Today we exalt people based on their movie characters rather than their actual moral character. The Bible talks about if you want to be the greatest, you must become the servant. This is good. Let's all serve together. Do you know that when the church is functioning in the fullness of what God has, A, there's enough money, B, there's enough volunteers, C, the message of hope goes out and people are so excited that Christ saved them that more people are constantly coming in when the, function, when the church is functioning in the fullness. We're not quite there yet, but we're moving in that direction. The good news for all of us while we were still sinners, and that's probably one of my favorite verses from Romans 5. I have a lot of favorite verses. But Jesus died for us. Even before you were created, <laughs> he had a plan for your life and he died for you. That's good news, actually, for you and I. And, and you know, Jesus actually took your place. Because the penalty for your sin is what? Death and separation from God. Jesus took your place. Have you ever wanted to take someone else's place? It's quiet. It's not a trick question. Have you ever wanted to take someone else's place? Yes. Some of you that said yes, you know, you see someone that's suffering and you're like, man, if we could just trade. You see your kids suffering. You're like, oh, I would just, I would just trade places with my kids so that they don't have to go through all this pain. I'd rather go through the pain than them. Has anyone thought that? Or maybe someone else that you know and love and you see them going through a hard time and you wish you could just carry the burden for them. Right? And others of you, you're not happy with your social status, so you wish you could be like someone else. I wish I had money. I wish I had fame. I wish I had this. I wish I had that. And then it would make my life better. Have you looked around at some of the people that you're wishing you could be like, some of those movie characters that you want to model your life after? I was teasing my wife the other day. This is not approved. No. Dangerous ground. <laughs> we were watching, of course, the Hallmark Channel because at Christmas time they have this whole channel that just does Christmas movies. And I've talked before about the formula that they use. And they're actually starting to mix it up a little bit. So they kind of take the formula and they just add a little twist. And you're like, oh, that was kind of neat. But we were watching this one. And I was like, 
I look up the characters, like the actress that was playing the character and the actor that was playing the character, and I think he's been through two marriages and she's been through three. And I'm like looking at it going, and they're trying to model what the perfect relationship is supposed to look like to us. And I'm not knocking people that get divorced and remarried. That's not my point, because once we come to Christ, we try to work things out by his grace and for his glory. But see, what do we put our emphasis on? If only, blah, blah. You know, we highlighted love last week, did we not? In John 15, the Bible tells us, verses 9, 10, and 11, I've loved you even as the Father's loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments and remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Now, I don't want to see any hands, but how many of your, your joy is overflowing right now? Some of them, it just overflowed into laughter. Others are going, yeah, right, preacher. There's no joy here today. Listen, there's a concept here that I want to point out to all of you. It's receiving love from God, remaining in his love, and then demonstrating love towards others comes first. Then you get to that place where you have joy and your joy overflows. And most of you as Christians are really good at reaching out and loving others. I know this. I see this. I observe it. Why? I look at your response when we put some uh, fatherless out or some kids that are in challenging situations and people pick up all the tags and say, we want to go bless them. And people donate to the police and people donate to Haidus and people donate to Jam. Why? Because they love others. But a lot of people, even in this room, right here listening to me, you get stuck on that part where you have to receive love from God. Because you have an inner dialogue going on and you're not sure if you're good enough, you're not sure if you're worthy, you're not sure if he even knows your name. You know, I know you say you love everyone, God, but maybe you overlooked me because my experience right now and my circumstance looks a lot different than what I think it's supposed to. And then our joy isn't where it's supposed to be or where we want it to be because we have a hard time receiving his love. It's such a key, receiving the Father's love. But it comes down to trust. At a core level, do you really trust God that he is who he says he is? At the end of the day, when it's you and him, do you really trust him that he's good? Even when things aren't working out how we think they should in the struggle. You know, David, a man after God's own heart. But man, he walked through some stuff for a lot of years. It wasn't one or two or five. It was years. He had to walk through stuff. And even after he got to be king, there was probably more struggle after than there was before. But he trusted that God was who he said he would be. And he learned to pour out his heart and just receive his love. You know, the, the Bible tells us something really interesting here in Proverbs 3, 5. It says, trust in the Lord with what? You all know that. Most of you do. Then it says, do not depend on your own 
The Bible even tells you right in Proverbs 3, don't even try to figure it out. But we sit there. This came out really good, by the way. Kim, I know you and someone else were working on it the other day. I love this. It looked so good. They did a good job. I'm going to sit in front of Hope. But we sit there. Why? Why is this happening? Why are they blessed? Why is this guy? I mean, ask yourself the question. We sit there and we try to figure it out. Why am I sick? Why did this loved one pass away? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? I don't know. Do you? Most of the time, we don't have those answers. And we look at God and we say, why, 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 why? And he says, trust me, I'm working things out. And yes, there's a real enemy and there's sin and there's open doors and there's a real God and he's actually trying to accomplish his purposes in the earth and he uses agents like you and I. So let's go to this joy. You know, a lot of people, if you come from a denominational background, we're kind of in the season of Advent and they talk about hope and joy and that's good, no, no, no question. So I thought I'd include some joy in here this morning. In Isaiah 61, Three, God, Christ came to give you joy for mourning. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, and festive praise instead of despair. And people get so upset with me because they feel like I'm being insensitive to people that struggle with depression and mental illness. And no, not being insensitive at all. But God has a solution in his word with festive praise. And if we can learn to put on festive praise, if we can learn to put on that garment, if we can learn to walk in that, yes, sometimes we need to work some stuff out with some people and talk to some people. Sometimes they even give you some stuff to help you with that. And I'm not suggesting you give that up. Go through the process from every arena. Address the natural and the natural, the spiritual and the spiritual. But most of the time, if you address the spiritual root issues in your life, the physical manifestations will go away. Some of you are more excited about that than others. In Hebrews 1.9, you love justice and hate evil. That should be us, the church. But do you really love justice or do you love money? Do you hate evil or do you hate people who get in the way of you getting what you want? Therefore, O oh God, your God, that's a funky verse, the way New Living put it. God the Father, right, anointed Jesus in his humanity when he was here on earth. That's the best way I can explain that. Pouring out the oil of joy on you more than anyone else. And when God the Father anointed the humanity of Christ, he poured out joy upon him. What was the joy that Christ had? What does Hebrews 12, 2 tell us? For the joy that was set before him. Who's the joy that was set before Christ? Us. Why did he go and do the cross? For you. Because of your sin problem, not my, my sin problem. <laughs> what I meant to say was, not his sin problem. <laughs> He went there for my sin problem, too, and your sin problem. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I did talk about, at the beginning, about the perfect man, right? 
It was for the joy set before him. In 2 Corinthians 1, verses 21 and 22, it's God who enables us along with you to stand firm for Christ. He's commissioned us. He's identified us at his own place of the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. So God enables you to stand firm for him in a secular humanist culture. God enables you to let your light shine before others, even when there's darkness all around. God enables you to stand firm for Christ. He's actually assigned you to do this. It's not option A, I'm going to go tell others about Christ, and option B, I'm going to do what I want and be quiet. Let my example speak. We, we, we speak the truth. We tell others about Christ. And then it says it's through the Holy Spirit. I love that, Luke. When you got up here and you said, I'm going to toss my notes and just listen to what he's giving me and start sharing I love that. Mitch did it too. Some of you didn't even catch that, but he just was listening and he started sharing right in line with what I'm talking about right now, about how Christ saves you. His exhortation aligned exactly with what I'm talking about or where I'm going. First John 1, 1 to 7. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we heard, of, heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. Okay? He's the word of life. This is Christ. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we've seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the father and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what ourselves have actually seen and heard so you may have fellowship with us and our fellowships with the father and his son, Jesus Christ. Now catch this. We are writing these things so you may fully share our joy. Then he goes on and says, this is the message we heard from Jesus. First he established, we walked with them, we talked with them, we sat with them. We did high fives or whatever they did back in the Hebrew day. We saw him with our own eyes, touched him with our own hands. Okay? And they acknowledged he's the word of life. Then he goes on and says, this is the message and now declare to you, God is light and there's no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We're not practicing truth. But if we're living in the light as God's in the light, then we have fellowship with each other in the blood of Jesus and his son. It cleanses us from all sin. So we're Christians. We live in the light. You have to live your life in the light. If you're living in darkness, there's no truth in you. If you're professing Christ and living in darkness, there's no truth. He even says, you're lying. If you say you know God, but you're living in spiritual darkness, you're fooling yourself. You can fool others. I talked to a guy one time when I was back in school. It's a long time ago. I was, I was a resident assistant, if you know what that is. And, and one of my guys was really struggling. I remember he kind of grown up in the church and he was telling me, he was like, you know, Sometimes it's, it's really empty in the journey. He goes, I can fake it all. I can fake raising my hands. I can fake the tongues. I can fake this. I can fake that. And he was telling me how he could fake everything because his heart wasn't right with God. And he was going through the motions and nobody would have known on the outside looking in that he wasn't right with God, but he knew it. And that's what I'm talking about earlier. Deep down in your core, you know where you stand with God. You can fool me. You can fool the person next to you. You can fool your husband or wife. 
but you can't fool God. Because you either know him or you don't. And if you know him, you're living in the light. But if you're living in darkness, you're a liar. Christians have hope no matter the situation or the circumstance. I started jotting down some things here. Um, <clears throat> your job. Some of you are walking through some stuff. I've walked through some stuff. I remember one time when I was younger, I was working for a guy. And the guy I was working with, my partner at work, was a liar and a thief. And then he was lying about me, and he was being a thief and stealing from my boss. So I stopped getting called in to work. So years later, I was talking to the former boss. And I said, hey, whatever happened to him? Oh, he was a thief and a liar. I said, yeah, I know. He was never on the job site. He said, what do you mean? He goes, um, uh, he asked me, and I said, well, he would drop me off and show me what we were doing, and I would work all day. And he would come back right before lunch when he knew you were going to come around and pretend like he was working, and then he'd disappear again. And he goes, that's funny, because he told me you were lazy, and you didn't work hard, and you didn't know what you were doing. So the reason that you only got one and a half of the job done was because he was never there and I did one and a half. But you know what? It worked out. It worked out. You walk through stuff sometimes, right? Some of you walk through stuff. Marriage. Often people wait till their marriage is quite broken before they turn to God for help. I'm amazed at how many people suddenly show up at church as their marriage is crashing and burning because they're trying to fix it. It's a Hail Mary. Do you know what that is? Usually towards the end of a football game, the quarterback who can throw the ball the furthest throws it towards the end zone, and if it's a Hail Mary, Jesus, please let my team catch it. <laughs> but people treat their life that way sometimes. But how about the singles? Are you content in your singleness? Are you so focused on your relationships that are coming? that you're distracted from what God's trying to do in your life. You know, as a single person, you can be quite productive in the kingdom. You don't have, it's not, it's not a bad thing, but you don't have, I think the way the one translation words it is, the distractions of a wife or children and family. It's not bad, that's what I said. But I'm saying you're so focused on Christ and what you can do with him. There's other things that aren't taking your time. So enjoy whatever season of life you're in. I've met very few parents who didn't feel like a failure at some point along the way. How about finances? Are you struggling? In the middle of the struggle, do you still choose to bless others with joy? Sickness. I told you earlier, you're not always going to figure it out. I mean, some things are really easy, right? If you eat the wrong foods and you never exercise and, you know, you abuse your body, yeah, you're going to get sick. It's going to happen. I've never done that. <laughs> Those ones we can figure out. Change your diet. Eat a little bit less of the 
saturated. You know, you can't have French fries every day. <laughs> you can, but you're going to pay a price. <sighs> Loss. Why, why, why? More often than not, hey, I don't know. Why did this happen? I don't know. Why that accident? I don't know. It's an accident. They went home. They went to the next life. I don't fully understand. I may never know. You may never know. Are you okay with that? Do you trust him? Trust is really hard when you're experiencing pain and loss. It's hard to trust God when you're in the struggle. Jesus, please. And we try to gain understanding of things that we may never understand in this life. You know, mental health, sometimes you want to scream, sometimes you want to cry, sometimes you want to do other things. But you know what? We have the mind of Christ. And there's a peace that is available to us that is beyond reasoning. And we have to start speaking that over our life and take steps in that direction. I was talking to one psychologist one time and he said that most mental illness is rooted in unforgiveness. He said most. And he had good results because he would often walk people through that process of forgiveness. Let's go to Isaiah 60, verse 1. I'm going to read it in the Amplified Translation, 2 and 3. Arise from spiritual, dark, spiritual depression to a new life. Shine, be radiant with the glory and brilliance of the Lord, for your light has come. And the glory and brilliance of the Lord has risen upon you. For in fact, darkness will cover the earth. Deep darkness will cover the peoples, but the Lord will rise upon you, Jerusalem, and his glory and brilliance will be seen on you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. This is how we live with our light shining bright. We reflect his glory to the world around us. We reflect his glory to the nations. I want to challenge all of you to something. How many of you know they have these challenges that people do? Now, some of these challenges are foolish. Okay. And I'll say it like this. Um, if we have to tell people not to eat Tide Pods, that doesn't give me a lot of confidence in our education system. Okay. You know, 50 years ago when you bought a new car, they taught you how to, the, the, the manual told you how to adjust the valves. Now they tell you not to drink the antifreeze. <laughs> I know it looks like Kool-Aid, but don't drink it. <laughs> have these challenges, and some of them are funny, some of them are cute, but some of them can be very effective. I want to give you all a challenge, a 40-day challenge. You ready? How many are up for the challenge? Okay, let's go back to that conversation about trust. <laughs> if I don't have your trust to deliver God's word to you and give you something that's going to benefit you. <laughs> Some yeses. Here's my 40-day challenge. And you social media warriors are going to love this. And it's okay. The challenge is for everyone, whether you're on social media or not. Because some people like to post their life online. This will be a great opportunity to share faith. Ready? 
For the next 40 days, I would like you to focus on one unique positive thing in your life every day. And meditate on that. So find a scripture where there's a promise to God and meditate on that. Find something good in your life and meditate on that for 40 days. I'm going to say, I can do that. That was about half of you. Okay, I'm going to go back. This is going to be good for you to do. This is for your benefit. This will help you to overcome some of the stuff that's going on in your life. Because what happens is when you focus on the negative stuff and you're looking down, you're going to end up in the pit. But when you focus on the good things God has for us and where we're going in his destiny for your life and the promises he has, we're going to start going to higher places. You have to choose which way you want to go. So I, I want to challenge you. 40-day challenge. Focus on one unique positive thing. Okay. I should probably start wrapping this up. He's going to reign, Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Jesus is going to reign forever. And Chris Tomlin's going over and over in my head, he shall reign. But I've got another challenge for you. Actually, I'll just suggest this to you. This is a strong suggestion. Even if it's not your style of music, I'm going to suggest you listen to the entire version of Handel's Messiah. And pay attention to the lyrics. And he shall reign forever and ever. Yes. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google it. Full version with words. Handles Messiah. Yes, it's older than me. But I'm also older than Google, just saying. Second Corinthians 5.17, we are made new. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. The greatest hope we have is that Christ is going to come again. We come complete and holy forever. Are you looking forward to this day or are you too focused on the present circumstance? Matthew 1.21, and she will have a son in your name of Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. What does that mean? I, I, simplest form, there's three parts to this. There's the justification part, the big theological term, right? He saved us from the penalty of sin by satisfying the justice of God. See, God was angry with man. There was separation there because of sin. God now declares us righteous because the blood of Jesus paid our sin debt. It's positional. God sees you as righteous and holy now, even though we're still in this process, which I'm going to get to. But Legally, we're no longer slaves to sin. You're no longer subject to the penalty of the law of sin and death. 
The second part of it is sanctification, where Jesus saves you from the power of sin. We identify with him in his death, do we not? Why is baptism in the public testimony of this so important? Why? Because you're, you're dying to sin. You're dead to sin. Now we're not subject to the power of sin anymore, unless you choose to be, unless you want to be. Sin doesn't just jump on you and you go sin. You have to choose to sin as a Christian. And usually, and I don't have time to develop this, but usually that's because we start with some wrong thoughts and some wrong concepts and some wrong ideas and we let that go to seed. The process of working things out, you're working out this truth while you're trying to walk it out experientially day by day in your life. I was trying to highlight that last week for some of you. I have a grace to preach the message of hope to all of you, but I still have the same grace that all of everyone else has to walk it out in my day-by-day life. And some days we do better than others, don't we? But there's this process going on. And the final stage of this is Jesus saved us from the presence of sin and the glorification. It's not achieved till you reach heaven, but that's the complete thing. That's the blessed hope that I'm talking about today. What? We're free from the curse of the law, from the penalty of sin, from separation from God and the saints. And then we're restored permanently to a holy state. Fellowship with the Father and the saints. This is our destiny. Are we catching this? This should excite you. This is what we really need to focus on. Jesus saved us from the penalty, from the power, and from the presence of sin. He eradicated sin in your life and in mine. And if we would just learn to understand and accept and and walk in that truth... Why don't you all stand with me? We have the cup. The greatest hope you have is that Christ is going to come again. You're going to be holy and live with him forever. We look forward to the day when he comes. And sometimes we're just too focused on our present circumstance. Let's lift our eyes to the sky and arise and shine like the church that God has called us to be. Are you going to say something? I am. Okay. Maybe. Oh, there we go. Yes. She's going to say something. Then we'll do communion. I have the microphone now, right? Yes. Okay. Um, So I kind of, I'm hijacking the last part of this service. Um, Pastor RJ was making a couple comments, uh, not comments, but statements in the message. And like immediately the Holy Spirit, it was like a tidal wave of, uh, I can't explain it, of just revelation um, that he gave me. And in a, it could be a message, 100%. But I have to, long story short, I, Pastor RJ shared He made a statement. He said, if we could operate in the fullness of everything that God intended for us to be, that there would be no lack. We would have everything that we needed in every area. So, and then he went on to say that that that's rooted, that's grounded, that starts from love, right? So I, and then the Holy Spirit just gave me this scripture. I want to read it to you out of the Amplified And it's, um, 
Ephesians 3, and this is a scripture we're all very familiar with. It's Ephesians 3, verses 16. I'm going to start in verse 16. And it says, May he grant you out of the riches of glory to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through his spirit in you, in your inner self, indwelling your innermost being and personality. I just want to stop there. Pastor RJ also said he made a statement about how when we look at our identity, we first recognize our sexual orientation first before we say that we are a child of God, before we say I'm a Christian, before we know who we are in Christ. Right here in the word, the first thing that he's saying in this scripture is his spirit that's dwelling in you, in your innermost personality, who you are, okay? And then it goes on, it says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and, okay, so we're talking about love in all its perfection and love is perfect in all things. And in God's word, Jesus says that you lack nothing when you walk in love. And it says right here, and may you, having been deeply rooted and securely grounded in love, fully capable of comprehending with all the saints, God's people, the width, the length, the height, the depth of his love, fully experiencing that amazing endless love that you may come to know practically through experience the love of Christ, which surpasses mere knowledge without experience. Okay, that you may be filled up throughout your being to the fullness, Pastor RJ talked, the fullness so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your life, completely filled and flooded with God himself. Now here's what I want you to to catch. And in the challenge that Pastor RJ just gave you for 40 days. Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly. Everybody say super abundantly. Super abundantly. More than we can, listen, I love what the Amplified says, then you dare, then you dare ask or think. I want you in the next 40 days, I'm gonna, I'm gonna supersize this challenge. <laughs> to dare to ask God to do more exceedingly abundantly beyond your greatest guys you got to catch this the word of God isn't something that you're supposed to gloss over the Holy Spirit is describing something so incredibly awesome about God's personality about who he is about how awesome he is and that nothing 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 is impossible with God that he says for you I dare you Can you dare? 
How much can you imagine? How much can you ask and think about? He's giving you a picture. And this spirit, this same spirit is living in you, working through you. So when God is saying that when we operate in love, when we are actually in the fullness of God's love, that we as a church, we operate in complete perfection. If I can frame this for you a little bit, you know, I, I say often that the greatest unity can come together only through diversity. But when that diversity comes together, that the, the way it's coming together in the body of Christ is by love. That unity comes together through love. But when that unity comes together in love, the byproduct of that, the natural consequence, the principle of all of that is harmony. It's harmony. It's all the different parts of the body that are coming together, activating in the role that God has called you to be in, all of it coming together in harmony. That's the body of Christ. And when you come together as the body of Christ, operating in the perfection and the glory and the surpassing greatness of God, there is no lack. Every need is met. There is no sickness. There is no disease. There is complete and total and utter perfection in all of who God is and in all of his glory. So I dare you in all of God who says he is beyond your greatest prayers, hopes, and desires according to his power. It's, it's right there in the word. His power at work in you, not yours, because that's what makes it so awesome. Where else does the word of God say, guys, connections in the word of God, apart from me, you can do nothing. That's talking about with Jesus, what can you do? Because nothing with God, all things are possible. What are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? Heavenly Father, God, I come to you today and together as a body of Christ, as a communion together of believers, Lord, I'm asking that you pour into us and fill us up with the spirit to dare, to dare to hope in Jesus, to dare to believe that you can and you do far abundantly beyond what we can possibly think, ask, or imagine beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, and dreams. I thank you that in these next 40 days that you would stir up a people of great faith. Stir up a people of a great faith that we would dare to ask you to do great things in us and then through us, God. I thank you that if there's anyone within the sound of my voice, even myself, Lord, I'm speaking, I'm praying for myself, Lord God, that we would get a hold of our identity in you first, of who we are in you first. And that we would get a hold and grasp of like your word says, 
Lord God, your word, that we would come to know the width, the length, the height, the depth of your love and experience that amazing endless love, that we would experience it, Lord God, like nothing that we've ever known before, Lord God. And because of that love in all its fullness and all its perfection, Lord God, that we won't be able to keep it for just ourselves. It's just, it's gonna pour out of us, Lord, like rivers of living water. Lord, I thank you that in this time that you are doing a work in your people, you are doing a work in your children. It's your power at work within us, yours, Lord God. So I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the sacrifice that you made. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you. I praise you that we don't have to do it alone, that we're not supposed to do it alone, that you said everything that I've asked you to do, everything that I've called you to do, that you do it with my strength. You do it with my grace. You do it with my enablement. And I thank you, Lord, that as your body, that we are, we out of our own mouths say all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. It goes to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. we have the cup in our hand. Father, I'm so grateful that you sent your son to save me. From the power and the penalty and the presence of sin, you've redeemed, you've freed us. Help us to look to you. You are our source of life. And Lord, we do have hope that we can live with you forever that really sets us apart from every other false religion. We have hope beyond the grave. And Jesus sealed it when he resurrected from the dead. So Father, thank you as my wife has encouraged everyone to continue in faith and hope. Lord, I pray as we take the cup today that we'll come to that place where we can receive your joy and we're choosing joy every day, everywhere we go. No matter what's going on around us, we can find joy in the moment. So we look to you and I thank you that you're working things out in our lives and you're healing hearts right now and you're restoring bodies to wholeness right now. And that we have the mind of Christ in Jesus' name. God bless you all.